in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving to Moving Iron Podcast, Marcus with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and Dry Shot Boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. And uh, man, you've had some weather come through there of late, Chip. Yeah, we had an interesting, uh, interesting day here. It's certainly not anything. Um, like uh, what the state of Iowa had. So as that thing continued to move east, uh, I mean, it was bad. They were from 50 to 70-plus mile-an-hour winds as it moved through uh, Illinois in some areas, but I don't think it was anything to the extent uh, of when, uh, like it was when that thing moved through Iowa. So unfortunately, there was a lot of damage in Iowa. Not that there wasn't some some down corn here and there uh, in Illinois, but uh, Iowa took the brunt of that storm. It looked like today. Yeah. So, what are some of the uh, what are some of the estimates you're hearing out there? I've heard ten million acres. I don't, I don't know of corn being displaced, which I means that's a big number. But I don't know if that's the someone trying to rush to give you the first to, first to market on that or what that was. But that seems like a like a a very large number of acres of corn to be disrupted there. Yeah, I, I don't know. 10 million acres seems like a lot uh, to me. I, I heard that number, um, you know, just talking about Iowa. That seems like a big amount just for Iowa. It certainly could have affected or, or you know, covered real estate um, worth of 10 million acres across several states. But, um, you know, that's going to be what the market kind of tries to gather here over the next couple of days is just how many acres <clears throat> does that involve and you know, I mean, it uh, looked like on some of the pictures, uh, it wasn't just down corn. It was, you know, flat green snap, you know, not coming back type stuff. So uh, it's certainly a bad, bad deal for those guys. But uh, yeah, I don't know about Tim. I, I certainly don't think it destroyed 10 million acres of uh, of corn or we'd be, you know, 15 higher tonight uh, instead <laughs> of two and a half higher. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We'd be have a pretty significant number, and then and then to know that amount of information that quick is also tends to be a bit of suspect there as well. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. <clears throat> All right. So Wednesday we got a big report coming out, kind of an important one about uh, crop progress, what that looks like, and um, there there's going to be some some moves made on this. So. I guess, what are your thoughts on that upcoming um, report, and you know, when do you think we're going to see some relief of this uh, sub three dollar corn, cash corn? Yeah, I, I have mixed about this report. Honestly, um, last couple, two or three years, I've been using satellite imagery as well as um, you know, looking at crop conditions, and so the market is definitely expecting uh, higher yields on both corn and beans. However, I, I don't know that we're going to get the um this huge bump higher i mean they got plenty of time to kind of dial this crop in and in my opinion the september report is going to be much more important than this report so i do think it'll go higher uh, as far as yields go 
I don't know if it's going to be the massive, uh, you know, four or five bushel increase in corn and three bushel increase in beans that the, that, you know, the market fears a little bit. Um, and also, you know, kind of part of this too, will be the next uh, two to three days, there's supposed to be some additional follow-up rainfall. So hopefully this one doesn't include uh, wind and hail like uh, this one that just moved through and it, and I don't think it's supposed to, but, uh, still some, you know, a few dry pockets in Western Iowa. Uh, but this next rain that moves through the heart of the, uh, the upper Midwest here, the kind of the Northern sections of the corn belt, that could be, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, as far as solidifying some awful big yields in areas. So the weather is going to have uh, probably as much an impact uh, here, you know, into midweek as this report. And it'll just set the stage for four weeks from now when the September report comes out, because that'll be the first, uh, you know, actual field surveys. And that will be where the rubber meets the road in September. So, um, you know, this, this one's important, don't get me wrong, but I think the market will quickly kind of digest it and look past it and say, all right, how much more is it going to rain? Let's try to get a handle on, you know, how much crop damage there was from this, uh, this storm that just moved through from the wind and, um, then kind of say, all right, they went up in August, but if these rains come through, they're going to go up in September. And, uh, so unfortunately the, the path of least resistance is probably still for lower. Uh, we're getting a little bit of bounce here because typically you don't go into reports on, you know, an extreme high or low. So the fact that we're bouncing a little bit here doesn't uh, surprise me, just some short covering into the report. And, you know, then we'll, uh, kind of get back to, to normal once that reports out of the way, depending on what the, the rainfall situation looks like. Yep. All right. So as you, uh, step back and take a look at what we see happening in the wheat market and i'm gonna try to pull it up real quick just to see what wheat's been doing but it seems like to me that there's been some i mean obviously there's some pressure in that we're seeing from uh or some some bullish news that we see coming out of out of europe and in the black sea regions but kind of talk about wheat a little bit what you see happening there yeah the wheat market's been a uh a, a vicious uh sloppy choppy market um get a lot of pressure in the wheat market new contract lows last week and uh spring wheat and kansas city wheat <clears throat> um you know it, it's kind of back and forth the start of the russian wheat harvest had everyone uh, expecting uh, lower yields some of those early reports were pretty uh you know disappointing yields but then as that harvest continued to advance north uh, the yields picked up and, and they have a big crop. You also just saw, I believe it was the French crop um, increased by like a million metric tons in the market had thought that uh, due to some hot, dry weather there this summer, that their yields would continue to shrink. And so, you know, part of it is back to the same old situation we've been struggling with for, um, you know, three or four years. That's just a lot of supply in the world over oversupplied and it looks like uh, there's plenty of competitive uh you know sources of wheat particularly out of uh, the black sea and in in russia ukraine european type sourced wheat so some pressure in the wheat market um does it hold you know did we just fall to bed um probably not but um again you got the southern hemisphere that you know looks due to competitive advantages due to the currency 
I mean, they're just, they're going to plant everything they can, corn, beans, wheat, whatever it is, particularly in Brazil, they are just printing money right now uh, in the ag economy. It'd be nice to, to turn the printing presses on here for, for farmers here. But unfortunately, uh, the Brazilian farmer right now, for about the third year in a row, is making monstrous profits. So uh, acreage down there of all crops are going to continue to expand. That is... Uh... That is for sure, man. Those guys have been making out like bandits here late. Let's talk about China. Some of the stuff we see happen over there. So they're, you know, having record rainfall. We got the Three Gorges Dam that could, I guess, break any day. Um, typhoon type. This is like their third typhoon to come through there and, and flood uh, flood the area, um, which has been spurring in quite a bit of buying. Um, China's been coming to the table quite a bit and buying some stuff. Um What's your thoughts there? I mean, the mar- like we talked about last time, the market still hasn't reacted to what they've what they've been doing. So, when when do you think they will react to what they're doing? Well, you know, I'm not so sure that that they ha- the market hasn't been reacting. It said another way, if they weren't buying the amount that they have been buying, and and even this morning, um, there was another big. I think it was just shy of seven hundred thousand tons of uh, beans sold to China. Uh, so my point with that is maybe that is providing support. If they weren't buying, you know, beans could be 60, 80 cents lower and corn 20 cents lower. Uh, if they haven't been buying the amounts that they, that they have been. And, uh, so that is, I think providing some, some support, the market's a little bit nervous that, uh, you know, number one, we've got this meeting that's supposed to be coming up here on the 15th to kind of, you know, which was written into that phase one deal, kind of the check-in to see the progress uh, and and how much they've been buying. And they have been buying a lot, but I think some of the data would indicate that they're still not to the pace they need to be uh, at this point to to hit the numbers that were laid out in the phase one trade deal. So they're still a little bit behind uh, the pace they need to be. Um, It seems like every day or every other day we're seeing new sales especially beans to china that's all new crop stuff it's not for immediate delivery so there's concern that you know on the one hand it just seems like every day the uh you know relations get worse with china not just u.s and china but you know other countries uh, across the world as well china's continuing to crack down on hong kong uh they arrested some some people today and kind of took over some of the you know, news services there. And so they're cracking down um, on the freedoms in Hong Kong. And so throw that all into the melting pot here. And I think the market is a little bit fearful that, um, you know, eventually that is a big retaliation point. If China just says, um, you know, Hey, we've had enough of the, of the, uh, you know, pressure uh, from other areas of, um, you know, our relations here and we're going to cancel some of these sales on, on the other hand, as you mentioned, you know, they've got some pretty well publicized problems now with the flooding and, and the, I, my understanding is there are some agricultural areas that affects, but, um, the major, major producing areas are, are North of that, uh, river basin, <clears throat> but they still have some issues out there. And, and so I think they do have a real demand for some of our products um, uh, you know, obviously corn, um, uh, beans, uh, wheat to a lesser extent. 
And, and so I think that's a good thing. I think they have a real uh, appetite for it and a real need right now. But, you know, dangling out there also is uh, this, what we talked about in the Southern Hemisphere. And, you know, all estimates are 3 to 5% increase in Brazil on, uh, on planted acreage down there for beans. So, you know, six months from now, that's what we're going to face is uh, unless there's a production problem down there, a massive supply of cheaper sourced beans uh, out of Brazil. So how long are we going to garner this, this business? You know, it's, it's now through about the end of January typically. And so it's good to have it, but it's going to be fleeting. And um, so fingers crossed, they continue to buy not only buy, but then start taking those shipments once new crop comes. And uh, that'll be a little bit of a sigh of relief um, if they follow through and, and start, uh, you know, loading vessels and offloading those beans and the corn that they've purchased in, in, in the ports in China. Thursdays, you know, we have those export reports that come out and what those look like. And, and those, I mean, what's, what, what has to happen to really make... I mean, is, is the supply in the U.S. that high still? Are they still banking on this 183 to 185 bushel average on corn type of thing? I mean, I guess what's your what's your thoughts? I mean, how, what what are, you, what are you thinking? Yeah, that that's the other thing as well. Is right, you you this demand. So let me back up a step. <clears throat> I don't know the 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 number on corn. I don't have the the sheet right in front of me. But the bean total demand number for new crop has is already 400 million bushels higher than a year ago. So some of this is already baked in to the demand, right? So they we need to see these these sales. Uh, the corn number is uh, is quite a bit higher as well, uh, total demand from a year ago. So you've got that bar that's raised really high, and in the same breath, um, you know we've got our supply what looks like uh, due to some of these rains, uh, these late rains in, in July, and now, you know, some decent coverage in, in August and more rains coming. It looks like, uh, it looks like that we have the makings for, for big, big crops. So the supply is, uh, is partially swallowing up, uh, some of this demand that we're seeing and to make matters worse, they have the bar so high coming into this, uh, marketing year and this crop year, that we need to see these sales. So, you know, we're talking about some pretty lofty goals. And um, if, if, uh, if that pace slows, or if we end up with a, you know, 53 plus bushel national bean yield, uh, and a 182, 183 national average corn yield, all of a sudden that extra supply just kind of swamps uh, the demand and it goes right to the bottom line. And we see our carryouts increase. I'm not, I'm no better at guessing than anyone else. And in fact, I might be worse at guessing the crop size than a lot of people. Um, but I'm not afraid to say my opinion. So I can buy a record bean yield way easier than I can, um, a record corn yield. I, I think when it's all said and done, we could be, you know, right at or sub 180, uh, in corn, but we won't know that for a while. We we likely won't know that at a minimum the till the September report and and um, you know the October report will be the, the the real key to that. I think some of these late rains and the 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 mid south, you know, from about Interstate seventy south 
uh, all the way uh, down into the, uh, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia area. They've had excellent rains this year. I've been talking to people down there. It looks like they've got a massive bean crop. I think these August rains that we're getting up, uh, you know, the northern part of the Corn Belt are really going to add some bushels to these beans. You know, I can I can get on board with a massive bean crop a lot easier than I can um, a, a, a way north of a 180 bushel corn crop. And uh, but time will tell on that. You know, we really won't know till the January crop report. But I, I think the September, the trend of the September and October crop reports will be the the, the key there. And um, so time will tell on that. But part of the part of the issue is yes, great to see the the demand from China, but we're sitting here with uh, what looks like a big, big crop, and that extra supply is just going to go right to the to the bottom line here and, and add to the carryout. Yeah, plenty of crazy things happen right now, man. A lot of lot of uh, a lot of stress on the market. You start looking at the outside stuff and what's happening with oil, and especially with gold and silver and and copper and all those out there. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things that are pointing. You know the dollar strength of dollar. Another thing that's that's kind of helping us out right now too. Um, I mean, that there's some support there that would be we'd be uh, kind of in a bad spot if the dollar was higher than it was right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you know we've just come off a record high uh, gold prices. The dollar has um, you know put a a pretty big break in. Unfortunately, though, a lot of that weakness in the dollar index is tied to strength in the euro currency. And then the the other major commodity producers, um, you know, Brazil and, and Russia, their currencies are still relatively weak compared to the dollar. So that's not helping us out. And that's why right. I think it hasn't spilled over and, and supported us more on the on the grain side. But uh, yeah, I mean, there are some things going right here. So it's scary, you know, if the dollar was up on the highs and we didn't have China buying. I mean, it's scary what uh, what price level we might be right now on corn. So let's jump over and look at, at hogs and cattle here for a second. Um, kind of choppy a little bit. I mean, the last couple of weeks have been, there have been some some ups, um, some serious ups when you start looking at stuff, but there's also been some pretty sideways trading um, in that, that time frame. So I guess as you look at, at those two markets, what are your thought there, thoughts there and and kind of where you see that going. Casey, I had an internet um, problem here, and a lot of that question was garbled. Can you repeat okay. that? Yep, just uh, on hogs and cattle, I mean, they've been they've been up sharply and down sharply the last couple of weeks, and they've just kind of been all over the place. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on the, on those two markets and where they're headed? Yeah, the um, the livestock markets, uh, especially cattle, have been, have been holding their own. Um, part of the issue here is we've, we've really had a change in the basis structure in cattle and at meeting for months and months we had um you know the the cash market way above the futures you know 12 to close to 20 dollars above it at points and that really helped um you know that allowed when there's friendly news that allows the futures to rally a lot easier <clears throat> now we've got um the opposite Right where the cash market is a couple dollars behind the futures market, and and so that's why it's been a slow grind. Uh, the market acted well today. We're we're about uh, probably at least in the October contract a buck off the the recent highs, 
And so I think things are looking good uh, for maybe some some further gains in here. Um, box beef has come up a little bit. The cash market just continues to slowly grind higher. And so I think for the foreseeable future, um, you've got a little more upside in the in the cattle market. Feeder cattle have uh, have put a big rally in, and and they've kind of led the way here. So I like where the the cattle complex is. I would think that you could see another three to five dollars um, in in cattle, and at which point I think you you have to you know really start taking action. There's a lot of risks to this as well with this COVID uh, you know continuing to cause problems and and you know an expectation that it's going to increase as cooler weather comes this fall and winter. So we've got some real issues with the you know restaurant industry and and uh, the food side of things there. So there are some risks to the to the market, but I do I do like where we're at. The hog market finally saw some strength today. Um, not sure entirely what what that was about, uh, but it's good to see. And so we're at several week highs here um, in 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 hogs, and and they've got you know some well publicized issues there as far as just oversupply. I mean, we have just ratcheted up supply for many years in a row. And we're just seeing the uh, the effects of that, and it's hard for this market to rally. I do think in talking to producers, you know, we're not fully back um, to a hundred percent from this COVID slowdown, and so there's still some capacity issues out there. I I get a sense in talking to people, unfortunately, that there is going to be some liquidation out there. Uh, it's going to be slow to happen though, because we have a capacity issue in getting all the animals through the pipeline, and and so the deferred hogs. I think uh, are are in good shape right now, um, but unfortunately, we still just have a massive supply, and it's good to see that we continue to sell a lot every week um, on the pork side. Uh, beef sales have really been a little bit lacking as far as exports go. Pork has been uh, really good, uh, helped a lot along a lot by China, but you know Mexico's in there every week, and and Japan, some of these other um, strong uh, trading partners that we have on top of China, but, uh, pork sales have been really good. That's helping again. It's like the flip side, uh, you know, or, or I guess a, a little bit of corollary, what we're talking about earlier in the grains, if we didn't have some of this Chinese demand and good exports, you know, it's, it's scary thinking, uh, how low hog prices could, could go, but, uh, they're on a little bit of an upswing. I like that. Um, I think there could be a little more upside. I don't think $20 in the short run. I, I think you could see, five bucks if we're lucky uh but i do like the deferreds eventually we're going to see um you know some liquidation and the effects of uh of a lot of that liquidation there's been a lot of sow slaughter through this whole covid uh, mess um you know small feeder pigs have you know been liquidated as well and and so we're gonna we're gonna see that effect eventually and, and it's starting to show itself in those far deferred contracts that are you know, up in the 60s and 70s already uh, if you go out to next summer. Well, a lot of information there, a lot of reason to look at your plan and talk to someone like you, Chip, that can, can help at least guide them down the, the path of, of uh, what they need to be looking at when they're building their plan. So if folks are working on that, what's the best way to get a hold of you and your team? Yeah, best way is just give us a call at the office. Uh, that number is 309-550-7213. And uh, we would love to chat with you and uh, talk about... Uh, 
how uh, how you might improve your marketing plan and, and the execution of that. All right. Thanks, Chip. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure to check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, LinkedIn for all the latest podcasts when they come out. Check out Moving Iron LLC for all, uh, .com for all of the um, latest Moving Iron news. And uh, check out the Global Ag Network and the great podcasters out there. So until next time, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher